Today on episode number 381 of the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast, Barbie Honeycutt joins me to talk about how to use podcasts in teaching. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. I'm Bonnie Stahoviak, and this is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to improve our productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. I'm excited to be welcoming to the show today, Dr. Barbie Honeycutt. She's a teaching and learning consultant, speaker, author, and podcaster. She's the founder of her own educational consulting company based in Raleigh, North Carolina. Barbie creates virtual professional development programs, workshops, and courses for college professors, graduate students, postdoctoral scholars, and faculty development professionals who want to increase student engagement and improve learning. Dr. Honeycutt is the creator and host of the Lecture Breakers podcast, which you'll hear about in today's episode, and the Virtual Summer Conference. Throughout the past 20 years, Dr. Honeycutt has facilitated thousands of professional development events for educators from around the world, representing nearly every academic discipline and profession within industry, education, government, and nonprofit settings. Barbie Honeycutt, welcome to Teaching in Higher Ed. Thank you, Bonnie. It is so great to be here. I love getting to talk to you, even though I feel like we talk to each other all the time, but just not in a synchronous way. Today, it is synchronously because I listen to your podcast, of course, and have followed your work for such a long time. It's great to have this conversation. Well, thank you. And likewise, I've been following your podcast for a long time, and I am super excited that we could get together. Um, And I want to formally extend the invitation on air to make sure that hopefully we can get you on my podcast as well, because I just love the work you're doing in the space. And I think our work intersects a lot. So. I love the name of your podcast. So Lecture Breakers, I realize, is to the idea of taking breaks, but also just breaking things, you know, breaking the norms, (laughs) changing things up is such an important part of learning. So I think you have a great name for that podcast. And I've really enjoyed learning from you and your guests. Well, thank you. Yeah, the Lecture Breakers is all about breaking up those lectures, right? And all the different ways that we can do that. And it's all about increasing student engagement and improving learning and not talking at our students and getting away from the podium and, you know, all those creative ways that we can do it. And, and when I first started doing this, this work, I did a lot with flipped classrooms. And I was like, man, there's so many other ways that we can be creative with our lectures. We don't just have to flip them. There's so many things we can do. And so when I created the podcast, I wanted to be able to capture as many of those stories and strategies as I could from so many creative educators. um, And that's exactly what we've been able to do. And I'm really excited. We're coming up on 100 episodes at the time of this recording. And so I'm pretty, pretty proud of that. Oh, congratulations. And we actually both have something huge. We're celebrating the day that this episode airs, which is September 30th, 2021. And by the way, even if you're listening later, you can still celebrate with Barbie and I. Barbie, what are we celebrating today? 
We are celebrating International Podcast Day, which I have just learned about. Uh, I did not celebrate it last year because I didn't know it was a thing, but now I'm really excited. I want to make sure that we are you know, sharing all the amazing podcasts that are out there, whether they're in education or not, because I listen to a lot of different ones and get a lot of ideas from a lot of different podcasters out there. So I'm really excited to share this day with you and your listeners. Yes, we weren't sure what we should gift each other for the occasion, but I think what I'll be gifting to you, Barbie, and hopefully to others is I'll be updating my list of favorite podcasts that I enjoy listening to because it's been a while since I updated that and it definitely has changed. And I'll also link over Brian Alexander often does this too, and I'll link to whatever he has as his most recent list of podcasts he enjoys. He's actually the person who inspired me many years ago to start a list of my own and categorize those things. So it'll be fun. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely put together some kind of top 10 list or or something. So I'll be able to share that as well. On today's episode, we're going to be exploring how do we use podcasts in our teaching. And the first bit of advice, by the way, I'm not going to end here. So don't don't panic with what I'm about to say. But the first bit of advice is counterintuitive. And it's to not make a podcast. And secret surprise, spoiler alert, at the end of today's episode, we will tell you how to create a podcast if you change your mind and decide to go against this advice. But Barbie, I just find so much of the time people think that to enter into the world of podcasting, there is one route, and that route is to record one's lectures. And what we end up finding out in that process is that our lectures don't always translate well into a podcast medium. And also that there are other entities that have invested a tremendous amount of money and time and expertise into making things that I personally can't fathom ever making myself. And so the idea we first want to explore here is just the tension between curation versus creation. And I know we are going to be talking about creation, how to create your own podcast at the end. But would you talk a little bit about what your thoughts are around the power of curating podcast resources? Now, I I think this is a great piece of advice for faculty as we are thinking about how to leverage the power of podcasts in our courses. And, you know, audio is a powerful medium. But as you just said, if you're going to just hit record on a lecture that you're giving, you know, it's amazing how many times we refer to a chart or a diagram or, you know, uh, we have a quote on the screen that we're reading that we want to share with our students. Like that's not going to translate in the audio space, in the podcast space. And so it's not as easy as just hitting record or ripping out the audio from some uh, lecture that you recorded. It's that's that's not the goal right right now at this stage. What we're trying to do is encourage listeners to think about how you can find these amazing podcasts that are already out there that integrate with your course, you know, learning outcomes, your course goals, your course topic, and leverage that. Because as you said, there are so many podcasters out there who have funneled so much time, resources, money, you know, they've done the research for you and you can grab pieces of an episode or a series of episodes and use that as supplemental or complementary material in your course and really bring that course material to life. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to create everything from scratch because podcasts are 
hard work. You know, it's been, and, and I'm speaking to a podcaster, so you know this, you know, it's not as easy as hitting record and just recording your voice and calling it a day. I mean, there's a lot that goes into producing podcasts on the back end. And um, so I think it's really wise to go into this, having this conversation up front uh, before we, you know, kind of start sharing how to actually do this in the classroom. I have a colleague who teaches U.S. government, and she really wants to bring a lot of life and vibrance into that class. And of course, today, given how polarizing things can be in a class such as that, also to help people enter into those conversations in a less threatening way. And I told her about a season of the More Perfect podcast, and what they did was they looked at the 27 amendments to the United States Constitution, and rather than give lectures on them, they had some famous and some not known at all musicians get together and write songs about them. And some artists you would recognize, like Dolly Parton wrote a song, or maybe you've heard of the band called The Mellow Tones. I mean, all kinds of musicians came together and put their own spin for each one of those amendments. And of course, we can analyze the lyrics then. And then they did what are called liner notes. And I, Barbie, I'm going to laugh a little bit at this. I had to teach some of my younger colleagues what liner notes are, but we used to have things called albums and we would play right. them on record players. And on the back or even some cases inside were the liner notes, who wrote the song, who played the drums, etc. Well, they have the liner notes for the 27 album that contains all these different songs. And so imagine all the different ways that students might be able to engage with this content in where we don't have to just start out with debating before we really understand the terms. How did this amendment come about? What's some of the history? And I think it's just a wonderful example. I don't think I'll ever find myself in a place where I'm going to be able to have people write songs about whatever it is I have to communicate, but I can put together playlists. We're actually about to have our faculty gathering coming up here soon as of us recording this. And we're even putting together a playlist of songs that are around the theme for the gathering. There's all kinds of ways we can use music and then we can use lyrics and then we can use these liner notes to really liven up our content. So that's just one example. Barbie and I both encourage you to think about and explore all of the possible ways you could bring in that disciplinary knowledge in some amazing ways. Well, and Bonnie, I was just going to say, you know, most podcasts right now are free, right? So you can just do the search, grab what you want, integrate it into your course, and and you don't have that barrier of a paywall um, for most podcasts. So like you said, you can get Dolly Parton and integrate that into your course, which is amazing. And it also, you know, it also gives you the chance to bring sort of the most current perspectives or different perspectives into your course, which you may or may not be able to do if you're creating it on your own. I mean, I love to listen to people who have different opinions on a particular topic. Like I've recently started listening to a podcast called The Rewatchables. Um, and it's just a group of people who get together and they rewatch some of the most interesting movies like The Terminator or Goodfellas or Jaws, and they they talk about it, but they analyze it not only as a fan, but like uh, like from movie critics and things like that. I mean, it's amazing all of the things that you can um, think about how to integrate into a course, and and like you say, you you can curate that, you can integrate it in a strategic way with your learning outcomes, and really bring it to life in a way that that you may not have been able to if you were creating it on your own. 
in terms of how we might structure podcast as a content entity inside of our class, what are some of the different ways that you see people make use of them in terms of uh, different methods or approaches for organizing classes? Oh, it's a, it's a great question. And um, I definitely want you to share your story <laughs> that you shared before you hit record um, about how you've done it. But um, I think people can take two podcast episodes that are about that's the same topic and you can have students compare and contrast the two. You know, what are the different opinions? What are the different research points that they're bringing in? Uh, what are the different outcomes or findings? And I think that that could be a great way to do it. You can have students listen to a podcast or a piece of a podcast and, you know, post their favorite quote or the most controversial quote or a quote they disagree with just to get some conversation going. You know, I've seen people invite the podcast host or guest into their courses and, you know, continue a conversation that, a, that you know, once they listen to one episode then they the students, you know, write a list of questions and say, here's more questions we have about this topic and actually bring in the host um, or the guest. And, you know, for me, uh, just as a sidebar, I've been using podcasts over the last year and a half in my faculty development workshops. So faculty, it's almost like flipping it with a podcast, right? So faculty listen to an episode. I usually let them choose between one or two or three episodes. And then we have a conversation about it. What are the the key points, what do they want to share in their courses? What were they surprised to hear? Um, and you can you do that same type of format, you know, in your courses with your students. It could be another way to, to sort of flip it and allow for more engagement interaction. That's an alternative to reading a book or, uh, you know, reading the textbook or watching a video. You mentioned that we don't have to use a podcast in its entirety. There are some tools that are allowing us to select clips out of them. I use a app called Overcast that's on the iOS, the iPhone universe, and it allows me to just take out a clip of, I think, up to 90 seconds, although I may be off on that a bit, um, and be able to share that. I can share it. I actually often share it to myself via email, and then I can post that inside of the learning management system if I just wanted to capture a little bit of the story. But of course, students can do that as well. And Overcast is not the only app that does that. It was just among the first, and now so many of the other ones are offering that as a feature. This American Life has that built into a website where you can go and take a clip. And the nice part about that that is it includes transcripts. So the video file that gets generated has both the audio, but it also has the captions that are appearing with it. And it's really nicely done. You can have the little selector of exactly what content, what what portion of the audio you'd like to select. And it, it's really a great way to take little pieces of the This American Life, which of course is just such a phenomenal storytelling podcast that's been around for a very long time and tells very compelling stories about a lot of different things that could show up within our various disciplines. One thing that has come up on the podcast actually a few times now is the idea of times for telling. Derek Bruff is the person who first introduced me to this particular phrase. And the idea here is that rather than to begin lecturing to you about the five ways that such and such happens and all this stuff and getting into process I can start out by capturing your imagination, getting you curious, getting you wondering what on earth is happening in order to earn a little bit of attention, 
that we might be more willing to pay attention to some of the less stimulating parts of what someone has to share if it started out with something that really got us curious and got us thinking. And Derek, way back when he came on the first time, talked about those Mentos experiments where you put the Mentos in the Diet Coke and it explodes. And then kids are like, wait, why does it happen with Diet Coke? But it doesn't happen with regular Coke. And getting all those questions out around our discipline it creates times for telling and podcasts can do that for us as well so maybe we just do a clip or maybe it's a nice short one that was designed kind of to be in little bite-sized pieces just from the very beginning and then that gets us asking lots of questions when issues I teach a business ethics course and when issues around disability and discrimination come up, I'll generally have them listen to a podcast that explores some of these issues first, and then we can have those discussions where they understand a little bit more of some of the tensions and nuances around this particular type of discrimination. So um, another big way besides times for telling has to do with prediction. And Barbie, I don't know if you've ever played around with prediction in any of your teaching. It's I first heard about it from James Lang in his first edition of Small Teaching. And of course, now he has his second one out. And just the all of the research that shows that rather than me tell you, 44% of people think this or do this or whatever, to say, Barbie, how many, what percentage of people do you think do X, Y, or Z, that there's going to be a lot more retention around that 44% than if I just told you in the first place. So you can use podcasts to do that kind of prediction, including I listen to, I have students listen to one around a currency crisis that occurred in Brazil many years ago. And it's a 15 minute podcast on the show called Planet Money. And it's perfect because just around the seven or six minute mark, I can press pause and it has defined the problem of how they would go and their money was worth $50 one day and $500 the next and back down to 50 and they lost trust in their currency as a society and a culture. And then I press pause and I say, what would you do if you were brought in to try to solve this problem? And then I have them discuss it, document what they think they would do or what they think the economists suggested and then press play and let them hear the end. So I know you've got an example, Barbie, of how we can bring movement in with podcasting as well. In fact, a book to share and the author came on your podcast as well. Could you talk about how we might have people moving while they're listening to podcasts and how that relates to the research on learning? So first of all, let me just say, I love your prediction format for a podcast. That was the one I was hoping you would share because you just have me thinking of, I mean, that's such a great platform if you're teaching teachers or, you know, future business leaders or anybody to make the ethics courses, you know, they're making those hard decisions uh, to give them information and then stop it there and then let them take it. I mean, I think that's a fantastic uh, way to leverage podcasts in a, in a classroom and allow the professor to be that guide on the side, if you will, um, instead of telling all of the information and all of the answers. So I just wanted to give a shout out for that because I love that uh, format. Uh, But yes, Susan Rock came on my podcast um, and I should have tagged the episode. I'll make sure that I'll send you that for the show notes. But yeah, she was talking about movement and the the importance of movement. Her book is called Minding Bodies. 
And it's all about the, the power of connection between what we're learning and what our bodies are doing and the environmental space that we're in. So things like, you know, taking a walk while you're listening to the podcast can really help you decide, you know, make decisions about depends on the topic, but you know, what kind of ideas you might get, say, if you're watching, if you're listening to this podcast while you're taking a walk, uh, it might give you new ideas for your teaching. The disadvantage there is you might not have a notepad and pen to write everything down, but to somehow capture that or tag that. But, you know, when I was talking with her and when I was reading her book, what struck me is that the way that she describes teaching and learning being this all-inclusive type of experience. So not just sitting behind a computer or not just sitting down, you know, writing something. It becomes, what are the smells? What are the sounds? What am I looking at? It's like everything. And what struck me here is that I tend to do that when I am working with children, right? So when I'm teaching my son, I'm all like, okay, well, if we go outside, I'm like, okay, what does this flower smell like? What does it feel like? What color is it? Where is it located? What kind of environment is it in? Do you think other flowers can grow here? Like we just have this whole conversation about this flower in its environment and we're out and we're exploring it and we're, and we're doing all these things. And I tend to associate movement with children learning. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I, I haven't done that when teaching college students or adults. And she really makes a fantastic case for why we should bring all of this into our teaching and learning. And in her case, it's like you go down in the stacks and in the stacks, that's where you can touch and feel and smell the artifacts and the, the of all the books throughout history that have been written. And you know, there's just nothing like that. And, and it really brings it to life for, for students. And so I think podcasts can be a medium for which that could happen, whether it's as simple as taking a walk, reflecting on your teaching and what you're doing, then coming back and kind of implementing something you learned. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes we, including me, tend to take this a little bit too literally. Like, are mm-hmm. you telling me to bring in, you know, <laughs> my mom and I just went for a hike with the kids the other day and we both were sharing how much we love the smell of manure. And apparently that has not <laughs> been passed on to the children as a side <laughs> note, but because they remind us of things. And so we're not, we're not literally telling you to bring manure or flowers or whatever your favorite smells are into your classroom. But what I have found about podcasting, just like a good book, is that we're carrying those with us already podcasting is a very intimate medium if you do it well, because you can bring people to places in their imagination and they're bringing the smells with them. They're bringing the visuals with them. It's, 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 it's hard to explain unless you really are into podcasts and have had that experience where you literally feel like you're traveling to Brazil and you're literally feeling like you're experiencing what that would have been like to have had your money in the bank and not know if it was going to be there or worth anything the next day and those feelings that you might be experiencing. So that's why I find fascinating about her work as it relates to podcasts, both because we don't have to be tied inside of a classroom or behind a computer. That's an aspect of it that I find really beneficial. But then also what good stories can do, whether they be in books or whether they be in our ears, to help take us to places in our imagination. And I just love that. And that works in any discipline. 
Absolutely. And I will say, I don't recommend bringing manure to your class, but <laughs> if you can bring a leaf or a rock or whatever it is you're studying and you bring that in and let students touch it and see it and, you know, whatever that could be, bring that to life for them. So if you combine that with audio, right, maybe you, I know we're not talking about creation yet, but there could be a podcast out there that's like, okay, you're taking a walk through the woods. What do you notice? More like a meditation type of a podcast that could be combined with, you know, some intentional observation and movement because you're out in the world. I do not know if those podcasts exist. I am sure they do. But, you know, I, I think that there's just there's so many possibilities here with how you can use the power of audio. And then when you integrate movement and you really start thinking about what are students touching, seeing, hearing, smelling, feeling, all of those things can really create a very immersive and memorable learning experience. Those are such good examples because the ones I was talking about is where the storyteller, the content creator takes us on a journey with them. But a lot of wonderful storytellers and people that can help engage us get us to be more present in the moment and the spaces and places where we are. I, Our daughter's teacher doing some portion of the remote learning would say, you know, look around you and can you go find something like this? She would, she would, she's teaching math, but she's teaching math in their context. And sometimes they would have, you know, can you, can you have them bring a deck of cards with them? And so instead of just being sitting in front of a screen, just like you were talking about, instead of the leaf, in this case, it's a deck of cards and it's the tangible and physical and something that I can touch where I can take my own environment and, and something tactile and bring it in. I think that's wonderful. Anytime I find where someone is doing audio, because again, it is such an intimate medium. A lot of people listen using headphones and so we're talking to them right inside their ears, you know, and to be able to say, how are you feeling right now? Or what, what do you think he did next? Mm -hmm. What, what do you and find? What kinds of questions do you find you wrestle with as you're, as you're hearing this story unfold, just to, to help that person get in touch with that. It's a wonderful way to connect and then bring back that attention. Cause that's, that's another thing I really took away from another of James Lang's book called Distracted is we can never have someone's attention 100% of the time. It's all just a question of, are we bringing them back <laughs> into attention or, or driving them away? And I, I find that a lot less pressure to put on myself, but what can I be doing to bring them back? And, and that can be so good. Well, and, you know, speaking of the attention piece, as it is right now, what I've seen with podcasting as compared to video is that, you know, with video, you capture your audience's attention. And if you if you can keep them there, like on YouTube for 10 minutes, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's like they, they, the videos are short and sweet, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. And what we've seen with podcasting is that podcasting has more retention. So people who listen to podcasts tend to, once they find the podcast they're looking for, they'll, they'll stay there and listen to the whole, the whole thing. So if you have a 30 minute podcast, they'll listen to the whole 30 minutes. If you have an hour podcast, they'll listen to the whole hour. And it's amazing that we're seeing our audiences are, and our students and our learners, they're hanging on for the whole duration of the episode rather than skipping around so much like we see with video. It's really interesting. I'm curious to know more research on this, but that's kind of where we are now and what we're learning um, about the power, as you say, and the intimacy of, of podcasting. If anyone's interested in the body of research and some of the data that I, I'm saying research, what I really mean is data analytics. The, the phrase that one of the companies has coined is called the share 
of the ear. So many of us have heard of market share, you know, what how much market share does Apple have versus, you know, computers that have Windows install, installed, you know, what's that market share look like? What's the market share of a certain brand of this versus the other? So we're used to hearing market share, but this is a company that looks at where are our ears going as in what percentage of us are listening to the radio what percentage of us are listening to podcasts and even more granularly in the world of podcasts where do we tend to listen to them and for how long so i will link to edison research that has that share of the research it's it's more if you're kind of really want to geek out on the world of what's happening and <laughs> in terms of market share and where people are listening. Um, it's I think it's worth browsing. I always find it interesting when I go and, and take a peek at it. I don't peek at it every year, but it's I just was up there the other day because um, someone interviewed me about podcasting and I thought I'd, I'd go and see what they've been up to lately. It's just a fascinating thing. Well, we said we would end the episode talking about... We, I started by saying, don't create a podcast. And now I'm going to say, do create a podcast. Barbie, what are some good examples? of when it's going to be worth it to invest the time and the resources and occasionally money, although you can do, you can get by on some with some less expensive equipment. But when is this thing called creating my own podcast going to be worth it in your mind? Mm, that's such a great question. And, you know, coming at it from being a faculty member, it's really important to think about how the process of creating a podcast, as well as the content of the podcast, connects to your learning outcomes and your course goals. You want to make sure that those things are in alignment because otherwise it just doesn't make sense. And then you're going to get frustrated. Your students are going to get frustrated. So you really want to take a close look at that. And, you know, I know I've had a lot of guests on, on my show who have talked about the importance of helping students learn what they're calling transferable skills, right? The ability to be comfortable with technology and know how to create things using technology, not just use it as a place for finding research, but actually leveraging it to create something. So if that is one of your goals is for students to be able to do that, then great podcast as a creation, as an assignment could absolutely fit within that. I've also had several podcast guests who have created podcasts on their own, but I've had more of them co-create podcasts with their students. And some of those podcasts live beyond the scope of the course. So I know in particular, there's been a couple, their topic is related to, to science or health. And so the students, you know, they started the podcast in the course. They kind of learned how it went. It might have been a limited series. And then they kept it going. And that's just been amazing to hear. I mean, you just never know what kind of spark you might light in a student once you give them the tools and the resources to, to create something like this. But I think that's number one is just really thinking about how does the process of creating a podcast as well as the content really connect to those learning outcomes and those goals. And if, if creating a podcast yourself is part of the goal here, then it's, it's important to ask why. Like I say, it's, it's just you don't want to do it just to say, oh, okay, well, now my audio version of my lecture is available for students. Like that's that's not really good enough. We want to make sure that if you're using the audio medium, that whatever it is you're sharing within your lecture, it fits within that medium. So like you were just talking about storytelling, which is so powerful in audio. And can that be a way that you use podcasts in your course where you share the story on the podcast, but then your lecture and your follow-up and your facilitation of it happens during class time, so to speak. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can do this. 
one of the great things about podcasts is they come in all shapes and sizes. You mentioned a 15 minute podcast. There's two minute podcasts. There's daily podcasts. There's limited series podcasts. So maybe you only do it for the first half of the semester or just for one semester. I mean, there's so many ways. It doesn't have to be a weekly hour long you know, podcast. You can do something very creative if you wanted to um, within your course. But I do think you have to think about how does this support my learning outcomes and how does it help my students be successful in this course and beyond. I have found some people, I mean, we're coming back to this again, don't mm-hmm. fully recognize the barriers that people are could potentially experience. And so my suggestion would be that either the whole class is going to do this, and maybe each group takes an episode. So you're literally making one episode across is it an eight week term or is it a 16 week? it depends on on how your quarters or your terms are structured but rather than everybody is going to in two weeks make an episode I mean it's it's a lot more work needs to go into it to getting everybody up to the level where they feel like they can contribute so I would either say It's got to be over a longer stretch of time than you might realize. And some universities actually have it, whether it's in their library or through another resource on campus where they'll help your students with editing the audio and all of that. I mean, there's a lot of work that needs to go into it like that. That's going to take some time. And we we want to be careful not to make assumptions. Oh, everyone's edited audio before. Surely they've done that. (laughs) These things, if you're going to ask someone who's never done it before, that is going to be pretty time intensive and you want to make sure that there are the supports to do it. What I have found helpful, Barbie, is if I'm not, I'm kind of reluctant to go all in because of just not it not working very well. And it wasn't even me that wanted to do it. It was the class that wanted to do it. And I went along with it. But it caused you know a lot of friction where people just it was too short of a time and they got angry with each other and the process and all of that. So rather than that, to give it as an option for this assignment that maps to the learning outcomes that is about getting these transferable skills more comfortable with technology, you could do a podcast episode or you could do this and give them multiple avenues where if they want to go for it, oh my gosh, how fun is that when they have that kind of agency to explore something that they've always wanted to do. And I had that most recently when I taught this doctoral class on technology and leadership, and these women were just completely jazzed. They created a logo for their podcast. They had the whole thing. I mean, it's, it's so fun when you see people really catch fire with what's possible, and they're not doing it because they have to you know that was that was so fun I was thinking my gosh you really took it so far and it's because they really wanted to and they planned on continuing it even after the class was over and that's just the best of all worlds isn't it when they're just so wrapped up in what's possible with this new yes thing. yeah and I will say that I love that you are bringing in choice you know um, that that's been a very common theme um, on, on my podcast and we're talking about student motivation and engagement assessment uh, creativity and being able to to offer choice to students you know I think is just so powerful you can have them as you said you clearly had a group of students who was super excited about the podcasting platform and so they jumped in and created something amazing the same thing could be said for a student who wants to start a YouTube channel you know and and gets, just gets really excited about it. And maybe their learning curve is not as steep as somebody who just does not care about that medium, you know? And, and I mean, you know, if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, you know, I spend between two and five hours editing my own podcast for a 30 minute episode, 
you know, I mean, it can take a long time depending on how many, you know, how many things we have to edit down and cut down. And I have edited all 100 episodes of my podcast myself. I have not hired out yet. Um, that's something that I wanted to do eventually, but I, I wanted to learn the process so I would know what's involved. And it is a lot of work, but I love it. Uh, I really, really enjoy it. I'm excited about it. And so I think if I were a student in a classroom right now, so to return back to school and and I was given the choice to say, hey, Barbie, you want to write this paper or do this YouTube video series or a podcast? I would jump all on an assignment about a podcast because I have the skills and the tools and I know how to do it. And I would love to experiment even more and advance that opportunity to share that with my colleagues and other students. So I love that you're giving students choice. And, you know, if we're talking about creating a podcast here, it sounds like we're kind of talking about two different options. One is a faculty member creating a podcast within his or her or their course or students creating a podcast as an assignment. And so there's a lot that can be done there. You know, a lot of creativity can happen in the classroom. And I guess it just depends on, you know, what are the learning outcomes again? What is the goal? What are we trying to do here? And then how can you leverage students' interests and professional goals as well? Barbie, I'm so glad that you mentioned the timeframe that you use, because you mentioned you've done the editing on all 100 episodes. So you're now spending between two and five hours to get that 30 minute episode out there. You've been at this for a while. <laughs> so yep. I think those estimates, we we fortunately were able to outsource our editing some time ago. And then we also outsource things like actually putting the audio file up on our podcast host platform. I don't mm -hmm. do that, that we're fortunate. My husband also has a podcast. So we're fortunate that we're able to pay other people people to do that for us now. But I think that your two to five hours, if I totaled up all the time that we're paying those two individuals to do that work, I'm probably right in the same ballpark as you probably closer to four to five if I include the other things like the we make quote graphics and the show notes and all that stuff. Show I mean, notes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, and that's not even in my case, including the interview and setting up the interview and prepping for the interview. So mine's probably I don't know. Is it depends on if I'm reading the book or not. <laughs> I mean, that's, right. That's so, <laughs> now, I didn't include all there. that. So sometimes, you know, there is the prep, there's finding the speakers there, you know, the guests and doing the research on them. And yeah, there's a lot into it, but just the actual, you know, and I mean, I took a, a course to learn how to do podcasting and I spent uh, about six weeks taking that course, working through it at my own pace so that I had it on the end. So this doesn't even include like how to get up to speed with the technology and the tools and how to structure a really good, you know, in interview and conversation. And yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot you can streamline, but again, you know, you don't have a hundred weeks in a semester. So you kind of have to really concentrate and think about, is this worth the time? What are we going to do here? And like you say, it's, it's something that it could be an option or a choice. I think this is going to be a great time for us to shift over to the recommendations segment because I, I know, speaking of editing, my, our podcast editor jokes and says that sometimes we pay him too much money for editing for length and we could just buy ourselves a clock. Ha ha. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> so I, I'm going to shift us over now to the time in the show where we recommend things, but I'm going to continue on what you were just saying, Barbie, because you mentioned taking a course and you made me think that I took a course, not how to actually build the podcast because my husband went through a course 
about what equipment should you buy and how do you hook it all together and all the editing and stuff, I ended up taking a course that Alex Bloomberg did. Alex Bloomberg is the founder of Gimlet Media, and he used to be on This American Life years ago. He's a well-known podcaster. And it was a storytelling podcasting as storytelling, because that's the part of podcasting that is the most interesting to me, is how do we get better at that? And so part of it was how do we interview better? How do you take the raw footage and turn it into a story? Um, it, was, it did have some behind the scenes thing, but I just wanted to quickly share that I recommend the course if you're interested in podcasting, but I also recommend his formula for really anything that you might choose to embark on that should hold people's attention. And he would say, I'm telling a story about, fill in the blank, <laughs> the story's interesting because, fill in the blank. And it was fascinating. And that, that's, that's the entire course, Barbie. You've now taken the course. You can have your certificate. <laughs> but if you think about how many times when we don't do that as educators, we might do the first thing. I'm telling a story about whatever in my discipline, but we don't do the, and it's interesting because, and mm -hmm. that, I mean, I just, you could literally everything that we do as educators, that whole interesting piece, because then we have to get good at understanding other people's contexts, understanding their needs, understanding how people learn. I mean, there's so many places we could go with that. And I've just thought about it so many times, whether it's prepping for episodes, whether it's trying to create effective learning experiences of my own is I'm telling a story about fill in the blank. It's interesting because fill in the blank. I just want to follow up and just say that if you can become a student of the format of podcasts that you listen to, I mean, that can be amazing. I've listened to podcasts where I'm like, nope. And I check out in 30 seconds, just did not connect with me and other podcasts. I'll hang right in there for a full hour or more. And I started to really look at the structure. Like you said, how did they start it? How did they open? Do they open a curiosity loop and then close it at the end? Like what's going on there? Is it casual? Is it more formal? Like what is going, what is happening in that space that keeps me in engaged as a listener so that then it's not, it, there's the content of course, but there's also, as you said, the structure of the process, like what's going on there. And I remember when I was taking the course on how to create a podcast, the person that I was taking the course through said that one of the best questions you can ask a guest is tell me about a time when, mm -hmm. and as soon as you do that, it switches the mode from, I'm just going to tell you things to, oh, well, now I'm going to tell you about an experience I had or a story. And it's so much more engaging and it really pulls from them what you're looking for in an audio format rather than just, you know, okay, well, here's 10 things, <laughs> you know? So just another tip out there for those who are thinking about maybe creating a podcast as part of your course. That's a good question to ask. Oh, I love that. That's, that applies so many spaces. <laughs> That's such a great, a great, I thought you were going to say, because one question I love is what's something you've changed your mind about recently. Mm. That's another one. Yeah, that's just, a good one. Oh, so many good things out of that. So Barbie, what do you have to recommend for us today? I have two things. So the first one um, is just quick. When you were mentioning taking clips of podcasts and putting them on 
or wherever you want to post them on social media. The one that I use is called Headliner. So Headliner is free and I can grab anywhere from 15 seconds to 10 minutes of a podcast and it creates a file for me that shows the waveform. It'll also add the transcript. It'll add the title of the podcast. I can put video with it, whatever I want to do, and then upload it to social media and share. And that's a great way to grab a quick clip and give a little teaser, if you will, or grab a soundbite for an episode. So it's called Headliner. The other one I'll recommend is just where I am right now, which is I've stumbled on the book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. And I may be late getting to this uh, and it may have been recommended by a listener in the past, but I have just found this book this summer as I've embarked on reorganizing my house. (laughs) It's just been chaos managing all the toys and all the things. And we've been all working from home for the past year. And I'm like, I've got to get control of my space. And so I stumbled on this, this book and I've probably listen to more podcast episodes with James Clear than I have reading his entire book. But the whole idea, the the biggest takeaway I'll share with with listeners is the, the idea is atomic habits, which just means how can you get yourself to get in the habit of doing the things that moves you towards the goals you want to achieve rather than the things that moves you away from them. So if you want to like work out every day, what are the small things you can do and and surround yourself with to make sure that you're successful doing that habit every day, like putting your shoes by the door or, you know, getting your water bottle filled the night before or whatever that is, laying out your your workout clothes the night before, whatever it is that makes it easy. And so one of the biggest takeaways he said for me, that's really connected with me as I'm redesigning and reorganizing my house is he said uh, to become an architect of your environment. So instead of letting things get dictated for you, in terms of how your house should be laid out or your living room is organized or whatever, to really look at how you live in that space and how you want to live in that space and then design it so that it makes it easy for you to do the things you want to do. So the best example that I can give is like, I'm trying to make homeschooling more of a daily integrated experience for my son um, because we're not sending him to school right now with, with the pandemic. And so I have literally rearranged my entire living room to bring all of his books in, to bring all of the math manipulatives in. I've combined it with his toys. So instead of it being this separate place where we do school somewhere else in the house, everything is integrated and designed for this purpose. And so we can do it at any moment of day. Everything's designed around this habit of doing a little bit of school each day, but it doesn't have to be so formal. And there's so many other ways that you can do this, but I just think that for those who are really looking for a way to kind of get control of chaos in your life and start new productive, positive habits that taking a look at some of James Clear's work might be helpful. Oh, I should totally go back and revisit my notes from the book. I really enjoyed reading it. And but I I didn't put it together as much with my recent, I, I went a little nutty on reorganizing here. So I'm, I'm happy to connect with you on that topic and know that you're interested in it, Barbie. And mm-hmm. now I'm thinking, oh, I should really kind of revisit the new ways I reorganize some of the stuff with habits in mind. I think I probably would discover some even better systems to because when anytime you involve other people and it's like you are my husband took the kids and they went to Yellowstone a while back and so I I just had fun by myself organizing but see when they get back if they don't get integrated in the systems but I hadn't really thought to put the habits lens on it so thank you for that advice and I do you know it's a great book I think people should pick it up and I'm going to check out Headliner too that looks great 
Well, Barbie, it's so nice to get to have a conversation where I ask you a question and then you say something back as opposed to we're, we're interacting on Twitter pretty regularly and then listening to your wonderful podcast as well. It's just been such a delight. It has been. Thank you so much for for just the time and the space to connect with you and share ideas. And I actually wrote down quite a few notes. Um, so thank you for this opportunity to to learn something new and just to to be able to connect with your audience and to just be able to to share the work that we do with teaching and learning and supporting our, our educators in making great learning spaces for students. If anyone listening is on Twitter and wants to let Barbie and I know what you maybe took away some of your notes, I know that I'd enjoy it. And I'm sure Barbie would, too, to just to hear from you there. And Barbie's Twitter account handle will be on the links in the show notes as well. So you can just click over and visit her on Twitter and have that conversation because she's very active there. Thank you to Dr. Barbie Honeycutt for joining me for today's episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. If you'd like to visit the show notes, there are quite a lot of resources in this one. Head on over to teachinginhighered.com slash 381 or get them in your inbox. In fact, not just today's episode, but the most recent episodes, show notes, along with some other goodies that I don't include anywhere else. You can subscribe to my weekly update at teachinginhighered.com slash subscribe. I'd love to have you engaging with me in that way and getting those extra recommendations, again, that don't show up in any of the episodes. Thanks so much for being a part of the Teaching in Higher Ed community, and I'll see you next time. 